before I begin, will you please pray with me? Lord, you are a God who gives more than we need. You give us time to spend together, a beautiful sanctuary to gather in, and now your word to encourage us and to remind us of your love. I ask that you open our hearts and our ears to you, and I ask that you use my words as you see fit. In Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. How hungry are you? It's a weird question to begin this with, but how hungry are you? This was a regular question in our household for a time. My husband Klaus and I lived with his parents while I was in seminary, so we lived with them to save some money um, because rent is expensive, and we also wanted to stay local to Fuller Seminary. Breakfast and lunch were often on-the-go meals because everyone needed to leave the house for work, for school, and for other chores. But dinner, dinner was a family event, complete with four adults, one growing teen who's got to be 6'3 by now, and three dogs. There's a lot going on in that house. How hungry are you? My father-in-law would ask each person as we approached the full, almost to the brim, Dutch oven with a bowl in hand. Are you pretty hungry? Are you starving? Do you need just a nibble? Will that suffice? Are you on the cusp of hangry, which is you're so hungry you're about to become fully enraged? For my father-in-law, dinner time is not a chore, though figuring out what to eat for dinner was, but dinner time itself was not a chore. This question was not necessarily about portioning out food, though that may have been part of it. For him, it was about satisfying and sharing. It was, and still is, the unique balance of satisfying everyone's hunger while also seeing that there, were more, there was more than enough to share. And much to my surprise, there was always leftovers. Maybe not a plethora of leftovers, but there always were leftovers. Satisfaction and sharing. These two ideas seem polar opposites. Can someone be truly satisfied and share in a way that satisfies the hunger of another? If someone is truly satisfied, does that mean that someone else is going without? What causes this tension between satisfaction and sharing, I think, is an underlying issue of a scarcity mindset. Scarcity, by definition, means the state of being scarce or in short supply, or we also hear shortage. Some of us in this very room may have experienced scarcity in one way or another. Some of us in this room may recall a time when all of America faced scarcity of jobs, food, and resources due to the stock market crash in 1929, or maybe we have relatives that recall that. I personally will never forget the panic that I saw at a Costco while shopping during the height of the COVID lockdown. It was March 2020, and it was Good Friday. Costco workers shouted at customers, reminding them that there was enough paper towels and toilet paper for everyone to grab one pack per family. That pallet was empty in five minutes. It was complete panic. This isn't to say that scarcity isn't a problem and it it doesn't affect the United States today. It still does. However, the scarcity mindset 
is that there will never be enough. That it's this inward feeling that no matter how many resources are gathered, somebody will always feel empty and without. This mindset always leaves the individual feeling emptier and emptier, even as resources are accumulated and even fought for. We can see this in our own society, among individuals and even people groups, and we can see this throughout the world. Walter Brueggemann is an Old Testament scholar that I love, writes about scarcity mindset in this way. But if you are like me, while you read the Bible, you keep looking over at the screen to see how the market is doing. If you were like me, you read the Bible on a good day, but you watch Nike ads every day. And the Nike story says that our beginnings are in our achievements and that we must create ourselves. According to the Nike story, whoever has the most shoes when he dies wins. The Nike story says that there are no gifts to be given because there is no giver. We end up only with whatever we manage to get for ourselves. This story ends in despair. Satisfaction and sharing are polar opposites if we have this mindset of scarcity. Scarcity says there's no way I can share because there's not enough for me. But what if we were to change that mindset? What if God is inviting us to see this a completely different way? Our second text this morning comes from Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 9, and I invite you to read along with me in your Bibles, in your Bible apps, if you're tech savvy, or on the screen. Ho, come all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. You will make an, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness of the peoples. A ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon Nations you know not and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will, for he will freely pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When we think of abundance, what do we think of? Do we picture a room that's filled with money and somehow it's flying through the air? Or expensive furniture and art that you shall not touch? Do you think of fine clothing or a closet full of shoes like Walter Brueggemann talks about, full of Nikes or Adidas or whatever you like? Or do you think of a banquet table filled with delectable foods from all over the world? This, this is the image that the Lord gives to Isaiah to speak to the Israelites. Hey, the Lord exclaims, 
That's how it begins in the Hebrew. Hey, the Lord exclaims, come to the waters, all who are thirsty. You who have no money, come, buy, and eat. What an image this is to receive from the Lord. A banquet table filled with fine foods, though it would have seemed too good to be true. At this point in Israel's story, they're in exile. They are not in their land. At this point in their story, they are far from God physically. They need to buy water, or the need to buy water, connotates that even their basic needs are needing to be paid. This was a poor time for all. Even the basic necessities of life were scarce. This was no time to celebrate. How could they? They're in exile. God could surely not provide an exile. Or so they thought. Time and time and time again, the Lord provides even in exile. Even when resources and time, energy and even faith seem lost. The Lord gives and gives in abundance. I love how this image expands as the Lord calls all people, not just Israel. It expands to all people to come and buy wine and milk at no cost. Wine and milk are beyond basics. It's not just water. It's more. It's richer. They are signs of God's blessings and are to be enjoyed. The blessings of God are to be enjoyed, savored even. To take that moment and just go, "Mm." In our house, we have a running joke. And you can take this running joke with you. If someone says this meal is so bad, that means it's very good. It's actually taken as a compliment in our house. It's one thing to say, oh yeah, this was really good. But if you hear, oh, this is bad. We're going to have to finish this all night tonight because this is just so bad. This is a badge of honor in our house. That this meal was so delectable and so tasty, we have to finish it all because we just want to keep savoring it. The meal not only filled our empty tummies, but also brought delight So if you ever come and have meals with us and you say, this is really bad, I'm not going to be offended because I know what you mean. So why do we scrounge? Why do we toil? Why grow weary for things that do not bring delight? Why measure your wages against things that only fill you for a moment but never truly satisfy? Come, the Lord says, the table is set with good and rich foods. These two words, good and rich food, are in of themselves full of meaning. This word for good is used to describe humanity in Genesis 1 and all of creation. Meaning that the Lord creates and gives and it is always good. The rich foods, or deshin in Hebrew, is better described as foods that are filled with fat olive oil and other oils and meats and the like. Such foods were not common. They were actually pretty rare to have in an Israelite diet. These were delicacies only for the rich and the powerful to enjoy, and they usually enjoyed them in excess while others did not. But not so anymore, says the Lord. Not so. Anyone who hears this call to come can enjoy the blessings of the Lord as if they were to eat rich foods. The dinner bell has been rung. 
Come, buy, eat, and enjoy. All these being imperatives. And if we recall back in our English classes, imperatives is to do something and with haste. All imperatives, says the Lord. There is enough. There's more than enough for all those who come to the table and enjoy. So we know that this is an image. There's not really a banquet table just yet given from the Lord. The message is clear, however. God is a God of abundance. God is not interested in what we can scrounge up and bring to the table, so to earn our spot at the table. He's not interested in what we can bring forth and say, okay, I've earned my spot here. He's not concerned that his resources will run dry, saying, oh, you can't take that much. You can't have that. God gives abundantly according to every need that he knows. No matter who comes, whether they be Israelites or others, they will come and taste and see that the Lord is good. This image that nations that they don't even know will come to this table and see that the Lord is good. So what if we took this image to heart? What would it mean to have this image in the forefront of our minds? What if we truly took to heart that God desires to share with all of us? That God gives out of abundance, not out of scarcity. How would we respond to our own needs? How would we respond to the needs of others? This image is in conflict with this idea of scarcity because it, it just it doesn't make sense. How can there be enough? The scarcity mindset worries too much that God will not give enough, that there's got to be a trick to it. The scarcity mindset worries that God doesn't know our needs at all, that there's no way that a God who creates all things knows exactly what I need. Yet Jesus says, God even knows the birds of the air and feeds them, that he clothes the lilies of the field. The scarcity mindset is too focused on providing its own table, scrounging up what it can and saying, this is what I have and it's all mine, thus missing out on what God has already placed in front. But an attitude of abundance A completely different mindset. An attitude of abundance knows that God is the great giver of life and life in abundance. An attitude of abundance trusts that God knows our needs and is faithful even when circumstances say otherwise. An attitude of abundance seeks the Lord and his ways knowing that God will abundantly forgive those who draw near. That even in our text it says freely give actually abundantly give and I geeked out a little bit most of all an attitude of abundance responds in gratitude and I say this a lot here when especially talking about opportunities to serve gratitude gratitude is the attitude this attitude gives thanks to God for the gift of time the time to go to work the time to play with their children or grandchildren time to enjoy with friends Time to be in church together. It gives thanks for the gift of our unique abilities, whether they be teaching, singing, sewing, building, making others laugh, caring for the sick, packing sandwiches, that's a gift, making others feel seen, or being consistent through rough times. 
This attitude gives thanks for the gifts of resources and for the opportunities to care for others with those resources. In the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about stewardship and what does that mean for us individually and as a church. But I want to challenge all of us that at the heart of stewardship is gratitude. It should be a joy to share in what we have. It should be a joy to share what we have been given in abundance. Whether that be providing blankets for those who are in hospice as we do on Wednesday nights, making a meal for those who may not have enough to put on their own tables, or even giving financially, that can be a joy. Being able to share with others out of our own abundance, whatever that may be, may that be, is a joyful thing. An attitude of abundance sees all things, all things given, whether that be our very next breath or the shoes we're wearing, knows that we have been blessed and we share those things with others because God has given so abundantly. This attitude knows I've been given so much and I can share out of this abundance because God shares out of abundance. It is with this attitude we're able to find that connection that I was talking about between satisfaction and sharing. When we're grateful for what we've been given, knowing it comes from God's love and care always. Not from our own striving, not from our own fighting, not from our own grasping, but from God. And we enjoy, we savor. Then we're able to share with all those who come to the table. So dinner time was often followed by a second question. Are you full? Are you full? After a few years, I actually challenged my father-in-law, and I'm still standing here today. (laughs) He's a very kind man. I wasn't concerned about being full anymore. I told him, no, I'm satisfied. I think he liked my answer because he changed the question later on to, are you satisfied? Which now I gladly say, I'm very satisfied. Come. Come and see that the Lord is abundant, abundant with grace, abundant with love, abundant with resources. Come and see that his table will never be empty. His mercy never runs out. Come taste the sweetness of God's love and care for you. If he cares for the birds, which I personally do not like, how much more does he care for you? Come to dinner. Come and be satisfied and come and share in this abundance together. Let's pray. Gracious God, you see us and you say, come. Come and see how much love and grace I have for you. Come and see that I have more than enough to share with you. Come and see and we can share this together. Spur us to see this throughout our week that you are a God of abundance. We pray this in your name. Amen.